This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all. Let's pray for, the, for this morning's service. Father, we just welcome you, Lord. We, uh, we declare that, uh, that this house is yours, Father. And you are so welcome here. Um, Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, that, uh, you know, that you don't need live music. You don't need fancy lights. You don't even need this roof above our heads, Father. You just want hearts that are, that are turned towards you. So we do that now, Lord. We, we open our hearts to, to just receive from you. Father, I open my heart to just to hear your voice, Lord. And, um, and I pray that, that you will take my words and, and, and you will use them. Um, you will apply your, your fragrance to them, Father, that, uh, yeah, that, that even the words that come out of my mouth are heard differently according to, to our needs this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are, you are faithful uh, and you are good. We just celebrate, celebrate your goodness this morning, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We welcome you in this place. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so... How many of us uh, can relate to this statement? My brain is like an internet browser. There are 17 tabs open. Nine of them are not responding. There's pop-ups all over the place. And can somebody tell me where the heck that music is coming from? I think even the, uh, the best brains and, and, and clearest heads in the room this morning uh, can, can attest to the fact that our heads attract a fair amount of clutter. Our conscious and subconscious is constantly being bombarded by just a variety of, of sensory stimuli all just coming at us at once. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok. We're, we're streaming music from Spotify and, and watching YouTube videos and series on, on Netflix. We subscribe to podcast after podcast and we scroll blogs and, and, and read articles and Everything, that's just, and that's just the, the online media. Then in our face, there's billboards and there's magazine adverts, if you still look at magazines, and, and all those kinds of things. So much stuff just vying for our attention every single day. Now, hopefully for, for a lot of us in the room today, a lot of that content is good. I hope that for, for many of us, we're exposing ourselves to, to good stuff. We're reading the Bible. We're going through uh, Bible reading plans on the Version app. Uh, we're, we're streaming worship music, spending time with God in, in that way. We're, we're listening to, to podcasts by, by Christian leaders um, and, and solid influence in our life. So that's good, but it doesn't matter what's coming at you, whether it's good or bad. We can all agree that we're just getting bombarded day after day, hour after hour, fresh content coming with a scrolling generation. We just want to see what's next. We want to just keep coming more and more and more. The bottom line is we just can't handle it. But if there is one organ that can do it, it's the brain, the wunderkind of the human body. This simple mass of fat has 86 billion neurons all firing information and, and messages all over our body at in excess of 400 kilometers an hour. According to Northwestern University psychology professor Paul Reber, our brains have the capacity to store up to 2.5 petabytes of data. That is the equivalent of 3 million hours of episodes of the Kardashians. 
No one can accuse us as a church of not speaking about hell. That's probably the most accurate description you will find. Three million hours of the Kardashians. Lord help us. 2.5 petabytes, just to give you uh, more, more tangible terms, is about the same amount of storage as 4,256 gig iPhones. Okay, all crammed in your little head. But not only does the brain have the ability to store information, it also has the ability to recall information. There's even a world record for memory recollection. At just 10 years old, Nishal Narayan, so a dude from the East, <laughs> claimed his first Guinness World Record for most random objects memorized. If you want to challenge that, he memorized 225 random objects in just over 12 minutes. A few years later, he also won the title for most digits memorized in a minute. That was 132. National Geographic has listed him as one of the seven brilliant brains of the world. If, like me, you feel like you need to sharpen up a bit, uh, then you're in luck. I have a quick memory hack for you. Just close your eyes. One study in legal and criminal psychology, sounds super legit, found that when people closed their eyes, they were able to answer 23% more accurately about a movie they had just watched. By closing your eyes, you remove outside distractions, and your brain is able to focus on the recollections at hand. Now, if you're clever, you would have realized that I just gave you a really good excuse for when Andre phones you on Monday and says, why did you sleep through the sermon on Sunday? Pastor, I was just soaking it in. If you're under 25 and you can barely remember to put your underwear on in the morning, then I have good news for you. Our brains are only fully developed at 25 years old. Okay. You hear that? That audible sigh came from the parents of teenagers who realize there's still hope for the creature that lives under their roof. Unfortunately, it's not all good news, though. Our brains also forget. Guess when we start to forget our childhood memories? In our childhood. Think back. Even as a preteen, were you able to remember your first steps that you took on wobbly legs? or the immense satisfaction of releasing a massive punami that smothered your back from nappy to neck? Anybody remember that? Uh-uh. You know who does? Your daddy. Psychologists at Emory University found that children between the ages of 5 and 7 remembered 60% or more of their early life events. By the time they reached 8 or 9, those same memories had dwindled to 40%. Add 20, 30, 60 years, it's a slippery slope. This reminds me of the, of the story of, of two old friends who were, who were having a conversation. The old man says, oh, we went out to a, to a really good restaurant. Our food was great. Uh, I really think that your wife, you and your wife are going to love it. So the friend responds, oh, that really, that really sounds good. Uh, I, think I, must, I think we must go. We need to set a date. Uh, what's the name of the restaurant? Ooh, so the old man thinks a bit... Uh, he says, oh, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Let me just think. Oh, oh, oh. What's the name of that row, that, that, excuse me, that flower? Long stem, thorns, smells really good. Rose, the friend says. Yes, 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 that's it, Rose. Uh, uh, Rose, dear, what is the name of that restaurant we went to the other night? (laughs) 
Of course, uh, mental health and, and, and memory loss is no joke, so stop laughing. I have, I have no experience either, either first-hand or, or second-hand with the, with the crippling effects of, of amnesia um, and dementia, but I can only imagine that it, uh, just the incapacitation that it brings with it. Our memories are, are integral parts of our lives. Have you ever imagined what it would be like if both your short and long-term memories were erased in an instant? Every day would be filled with firsts. Every day you would meet new people. Even your spouse and your family, they would be new to you. You'd tackle simple tasks like brushing your teeth for the very first time, every time. You'd have to solve minor problems like tying your shoelaces again and again with no previous experience. Imagine walking up a split-level flight of steps and stopping on the landing to look out the window, then turning back around and not knowing whether you were going up or going down, just having no idea where you are. Worse, imagine getting in your car every morning and having to learn to drive. After seven times of going around the block, you would actually realize that you have no idea where you're going anyway or where you're supposed to be, so it's all pretty fruitless. While I certainly don't have any experience with, with this degree of, of memory loss, I actually do have a pretty notoriously poor memory. I'm good with names um, and faces and, and, and random observed facts, but when it comes to childhood memories or even things that happened a mere 10 years ago, I struggle to recall those memories. In fact, uh, we, we actually have a, a standing family joke uh, where it was one time that someone was, was telling a story and I just couldn't remember it at all. Um, and I remarked, I have, I have bad childhood memories. And what, what I meant by that, uh, what, what it sounded like was that, uh, uh, what I meant, sorry, was that my recollection of the memories from my childhood are bad, but instead it sounded like I got beat every day, and all my memories from childhood are really bad ones. I often find myself uh, a part of conversations where someone will, will retell a story. They'll, they'll recall a memory of which I was part, and... Um, and 95% of the time, I actually, I, I have that, oh, yeah, moment. But if I'm pushed to actually, to re- recall that memory myself, I really struggle. I know it's there, it's in the archives, it's filed somewhere, but I just can't pull it out uh, very, very easily until I'm, until I'm prompted uh, and I, I kind of have a clue and then I can, I can get it. But this can be a pretty dangerous place to be. Um, the mind is already the scene of the greatest battle between light and dark there is. And that war extends to the fight for your memory. If we can so easily forget events in the natural, we can, we can definitely be prone to forgetting spiritual events too, specifically the things that God has done for us in our lives. And Moses was onto this when he warned the Israelites with a statement in Deuteronomy 6 verses 12. Then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Lest you forget the Lord who has brought you from a place, from a house of bondage. Too many of us are suffering from spiritual amnesia. We forget where we've come from, we forget how we got there, and we forget where we're meant to go. The danger of this is that we will stand still. Crippled in fear. Worse, we'll go back or we'll take a direction that we were never meant to go. Why is this dangerous? Because 
How we remember our past transforms our present and directs our future. How we remember our past transforms our present and directs our future. As a church, we are we're pursuing revival. We we believe that we, we're refreshing our vision to to align with it with a passion for Jesus, and we want to see our, our hearts set on fire again as individuals and see that extended out into our homes and, and into the city and into nations. So we're pointing ourselves in a certain direction, and we're going to go for it. We will not survive that journey if we fall prey to spiritual amnesia. And that applies to each of us, too, in our personal capacities. Along every path, there are going to be obstacles. There are going to be challenges, adversity, heartache. If we've forgotten what the Lord can and has already done for us, then any little bump on that track is going to derail us. When breast cancer takes your wife away from you at 36 years old, leaving you with two little girls to raise alone, you're going to want to question the goodness of God. Lord, how could you allow this? We've been faithfully serving you. Yes, and I've been faithful to you and will continue to be. My late wife fought cancer for three years. That's less than 10% of her life. Can we forget the good years, totaling 90%? In my life, I've been loved by a father, a mother, a sister, a wife, and now two gorgeous little girls. Of those people, I've, I've lost two in, in, in quick succession in recent years. But how many more are there still? How many more people are there? And, and, the, and the beauty about it is my story isn't over. In fact, I'm already a few pages into a new chapter. God is redemptive. Let's change our perspective in the way we look at tragedy and things that happen in our lives. Every day lived is a gift from God. Remember that. But spiritual amnesia is not only linked to hardships. Interestingly enough, Moses' warning to the Israelites comes on the back of verse 10 and 11, which won't be on screen, but they speak of blessing and favor and abundance. Verse 10 says, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then verse 12, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So he's well aware that the Israelites are about to land with their bums in the butter. And when you're fat and flourishing, living in houses you didn't build, eating off the land from crops you didn't plant, he knew they should take care to remember where they had come from and who, they had brought, who had brought them to that place. So even when things are going well, we're susceptible to forgetting the one who brought us to this place. So with that in mind, I'd like to propose three areas that we do well to remember God's goodness in, and they are essentially the past, the present, and the future. 
Number one, remember the land of Egypt. Do we remember our Egypt? Do we remember a time when we were slaves to a different master? Slaves to the flesh. When the world had us by the scruff of our necks. Now praise the Lord, I think the majority of us in the room have been forgiven of our trespasses. We've been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. God provided for us a way in Jesus when he died for our sins and made us whole again. So we never need to dwell in that place. We don't need to dwell in Egypt. We've been liberated. We've been set free. We are no longer held captive. We were once sinners headed for three million hours of the Kardashians. But we've been saved and set free. The old man is gone and the new is come. We now have the Holy Spirit to live inside of, who lives inside of us. And we can live a holy life marked with love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it wasn't always so. The life we live now wasn't always the way it was. We need to remember that. Second, we need to remember the wilderness. Maybe you were a real rotten apple in your BC days, so it's easy to remember Egypt. But what about your wilderness experience? Liberated from captivity, you start to live a brand new life. You're present. And just like the Israelites, all of us cry out to God time and time again. And how many of those prayers get answered? Many of them. The Lord provides day by day. He led the Israelites. He provided for them manna from heaven, water from the rock, a cloud in the day and fire at night. He led his people. Do you recall each of those small miracles? When there's no money left in your account that one month, or more than one month. Yet somehow you paid the bills. The debit orders that were looming came off. Maybe not straight away. You had to scramble a bit, but you're here to tell the tale. The Lord provides for us in every way. When you get into your car and you drive to work and you make it there safely, do you realize that that's a blessing, that's a gift? Another day on this earth? What about the fact that you were in a car and you drove from a house that's filled with people who you love? The fact that you had somewhere to go, a place to work, a place where you could earn a source of income. You didn't earn any of that stuff. We don't deserve it. But the Lord provides day by day. Stephen prayed for a job, and he got it. There are things we also don't pray for. He's, he didn't mention, but he's been promoted several times within his company, that, and not once did he stick his hand up or say, I want, I want that, or Lord, I want, to be, I want to be this person. He has been promoted from within. How many things do we realize that we're not even praying for that are coming true, that are getting answered? Those prayers that are not even going up are getting answered. Because the Lord loves and provides for his people. God is with you and he's for you. We need to remember that. And then finally, we need to remember the land of Canaan. So you've been saved and set free 
and provided for in multiple ways, day by day, and on top of it all, you have an inheritance waiting for you that you did not earn. You are not the rightful heir, but you will receive your full inheritance. Ultimately, regardless of what we go through in this life, we are victorious. In the end, we win. And that is one thing to never forget. No matter what we face in this life, we win. We come out on top. How we remember our past transforms our present and directs our future. There's a lovely example of this in the scriptures where the psalmist puts this into practice. I've purposely left it off the screen um, because I, I don't actually want you to read this. I want you to just listen and to, to feel how the psalmist's internal atmosphere changes as he remembers the Lord's might. You can feel free to get a little bit excited towards the end. It gets exciting. Psalm 77. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The psalmist starts in such a place of hopelessness. And then he decides to remember the deeds of the Lord. He meditates on God's miracles and mighty acts. This leads to an outpouring of praise and worship and glory to God. No longer is he writing from a place of despair and distance, but a place of hope and remembrance. By calling what God has done for us and for others, faith is restored. Joy is uncovered, and our hearts turn from despair to praise. Now I know you're fully convinced by now of the importance of remembrance, but when the odds are stacked up against you, factors like an aging brain, information overload, and the challenges of life, how do we actually go about remembering? I'm so glad you asked. Let's see what the nation of Israel did after arriving at the Jordan River, destined for the promised land. Joshua 4 verses 1 to 9 reads, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, 
and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12, the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one for each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on your shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. What a cool passage of Scripture. There is a nation that's been wandering in the wilderness for decades. Here they are on the precipice of everything that God has promised them. And they take the time to celebrate and remember what God has done. They go right into the middle of the miracle and they take a memento in order to build a memorial in their camp to remember the time when God dammed up the Jordan River and allowed them to cross through into the promised land. God gives the instruction that a man from each of the 12 tribes is to carry a stone out of the river to build a memorial. And he gives two reasons. First is to serve as a sign amongst you so that every time anybody walked past that memorial in camp, they would remember that God moved on their behalf, that God provided a miracle, that God came through for them and he delivered them into their, into their inheritance. And the second reason was to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. forever. Why didn't God say, just tell, tell the last 12 oaks who come through the river to just pick up a stone and, and bring it over? He specifically told Joshua, select a man from each tribe because God is God of generations and of legacy. Joshua commanded each tribe's participation, ensuring everyone's investment. Not one person would forget to hand down that story to the generations because they physically touched a stone with their hand. And everyone had a name in their tribe. It was Urmpit who went over as one of the 12 men. He was the man who carried over the stone. There was familiarity. There was something. There was something coming down in each tribe. It was a moment of significance for each tribe, individually and collectively. And Joshua reiterates this concept when he says, in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. As we as a church and as individuals pursue a greater measure of God in our midst, I have to ask, what good would it be if it stopped with us? What point, what, what is the point of a revival in 2022 if all those flames are snuffed, up, snuffed out by 2023? God is as interested in us as he is in our kids. It's kind of 
like the tree falling in the woods. You know, it doesn't make a sound if nobody's there to hear it. What good is God's provision and God's goodness in our lives if we don't pass on that story? If there's nobody to hear it, did it even happen? We need to keep the stories of God's goodness on our mouth. That's how we remember. Constantly on our lips. The Lord did this for me. I love what Stephen just did this morning. He came and he, he gave testimony for the way that God has provided in his life. He kept a story. He brought us a memorial of a time when he prayed and God came through. That's a testimony of God's provision. So how else can we keep up our remembrance of God's salvation and his provision and his promises? We can set up memorials. Now please, on your way out, don't take any rocks from the garden uh, and don't put a pile of bricks in your living room. Your wife will kill you. But if you go in for a major operation and you come through on the other side, better for it, healed and healthy, snip off your hospital bangle. Pop it in your Bible as a, as a bookmark, a reminder of the time that God came through for you. I have a, a, a family member um, who's been in ICU, spent 45 days in ICU with acute pancreatitis. He's now still in Cape Town um, receiving treatment. And when he was admitted to St. Dominic's, uh, I went to see him and I, I, I was praying for his life. I was, I was praying, I prayed a salvation prayer. He was unconscious. I prayed a salvation prayer for him on his behalf. I knew he could hear me and I was just trusting that in his heart he was, he was repeating the words. He's now, he's now almost on release. There's been a massive shift. He's, he's, had, he's had drain after drain of the pancreas and so many complications and things going wrong, but he, he was pretty much written off. And now I believe he'll be released, hopefully within the next few weeks. He's been 55 days in hospital now. When he comes out, he'd do well to make a memorial of that event, the way God has come through for him, because it's nothing short of a miracle. And we all need to find ourselves in that same place. Let's remember what God has done, lest we forget. Take photographs of special moments. That's an easy thing to do. Go out and celebrate when something happens. Your friend gets a job, buys a new car, moves into a new house. Let's celebrate together. Let's set up a memorial of memories around that particular event of God's goodness in our life. Plant a tree to commemorate the birth of a child. Watch them grow up together. You will always be reminded about that tree. Just don't let it die. Create a monument of memories that all point back to the goodness of God. Not just for you, but for generations to come. Yesterday's memorial is today's revival. If we hope to keep a fire burning on the inside of us for ourselves and generations to come, we need to be active in keeping that fire stoked. Remembering is not a passive thing. We need to constantly be recalling memories, memories of God's provision, memories of God's goodness. In that way, we will keep that fire burning, that passion burning. The devil's going to do all he can to make sure that you forget what God has done so that when you're faced with that obstacle, he's going to hit you with the spiritual amnesia. And you're going to have no idea. You're going to have no recollection. It's like tying your shoe again. 
that you just don't know how to do it. How do I solve this problem? I have no memories of, of, of what can happen here. We need to counteract those memories of what God has done. This was a problem. This is how he came through. Lord, you're going to do it again because you're faithful. That's who you are. Put the word of the, God, of, of the Lord in your mouth. Put the truth of who God is in your mouth. At the forefront, let it guard, let it guard us against every attack of the enemy. Okay, so we're going to start uh, straight away this morning um, with a simple act of remembrance. Uh, the ushers are going to ascend around the communion elements, and we're going to reflect on, 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 on the, greatest, the greatest thing that happened to us as a human race when, when God sent his son to die for us. So they're going to send that around. Let's, let's have a look at, at Luke uh, 22, verses 19 to 20. And he took bread gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. As those elements start coming around, I want us to... Just go into a time of remembering. A simple act of remembering what God has done. Remember your Egypt. Remember where you've been. Remember the mess that you were in. And even if it wasn't that messy, I know some of us have sort of messier stories than others. Some of us come from church backgrounds and we were good people. But until the moment that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were still a sinner. You still had no right to enter heaven. No good work can get you into heaven. It's only through Jesus Christ. So remember your Egypt. Remember your liberation from slavery. You are not where you are today without that event. Remember the wilderness. Remember how God has provided for you day by day, even in the areas that you are not even asking for. Every day here on earth is a gift from God, a moment to spend with, with loved ones and friends. And then remember the promised land, the land of Canaan, our inheritance, something waiting for us. In the end, we'll be victorious. It doesn't matter what's going on in our lives now. It doesn't matter how much we lose. It doesn't matter how much we gain. There is a beautiful reward waiting for us in heaven one day. Let's remember that. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.